Welcome to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness. It's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. This week on Vitality Radio Podcast, I've got a special guest, a friend of mine who I absolutely adore and admire so much. Dr. Paul Thomas is back with us on the Vitality Radio Podcast talking about COVID vaccine injury, uh, possible things that you can do to uh, help with the symptoms of said injury, the detoxification, and as as well as some of the key things that we need to understand about the vaccines themselves to understand why they pose such a threat potentially to human health. Dr. Thomas is a fantastic individual and a great resource. There are tons of excellent links uh, that will be in the show description. Check those out. Lots of excellent information that you're going to want to have. Uh, Also, I want to mention really quickly that this interview was done for the Dearly Discarded podcast, my brand new podcast that I'm doing with React 19 to try and get the word out about COVID vaccine injury. Uh, Dr. Thomas is a uh, great interview for both podcasts, though, so I'm sharing it with you, my Vitality Radio listeners, as well as the Dearly Discarded Podcast listeners, and if you haven't listened to DDP yet, please give it a shot. It's on all the same platforms that this podcast is on, and uh, I think you'll really enjoy listening to those stories although enjoy might not be the right word. There's some tough stuff. I will be sharing many of the interviews that I do with professional uh, medical professionals on this podcast as well as the Dearly Discarded podcast for some of my Wednesday episodes coming up. So check those out. And without further ado, my interview with Dr. Paul Thomas. Today, we'll be talking to a uh, a friend of mine who I met just a year ago who has been fighting the good fight uh, on all things natural. uh, Well, let's say health freedom is probably the best way to put it, I think. Uh, Dr. Paul Thomas is with me today. Dr. Thomas, welcome. Well, thank you, Jared. It's an honor and a privilege to be on your show. Well, I had you on Vitality Radio, of course, last year, and I got all kinds of excellent feedback on that from my listeners. And uh, your story is is uh, very interesting. Your history is is fascinating to me, and I'd like you to share some of that with us today. Uh, so I I understand based on our last conversation and a couple of conversations we've had that you've uh, gotten in trouble a little bit with the. Uh, the Board of Medicine, uh, where you practice. Can you tell us a little bit of your backstory with that? Sure. So um, people probably know that medical boards are state by state. And so whatever state you're working in where you're licensed, they have the authority to take your license away if you don't behave, if we just want to put it in layman's terms. What's happened in, in this COVID world is that very clear messaging has been sent to the medical boards by the Academy of Pediatrics, the Academy of Internal Medicine, the Academy of Family Practice. They all joined forces and said to medical boards, you need to shut down 
it disinformation and misinformation, which of course they do not define. And it's, <laughs> it's the exact same nonsense we're seeing with censorship. If you come out with information that speaks uh, positively towards alternative health things that you can do, for example, or negatively about the vaccine, you can lose your license. And uh, what my specific story actually didn't have anything to do with COVID. I, so some of the listeners may know, I wrote a book in 2016 called The Vaccine Friendly Plan. And basically it's not an anti-vax book. It's, it's just not pro CDC schedule. You know, I had discovered that too much aluminum is really bad for your immune system and your health. Chronic toxicity was clearly happening for our kids. So I came up with an alternative plan that would slow down the vaccine schedule, reduce the amount of aluminum being given, thinking that if you were going to vaccinate, at least that might be a safer way. Well, that was a shot across the bow of a very powerful organization backed by massive pharma dollars, right? So that's mm -hmm. when it started. The Oregon Medical Board sort of started prodding and coming after me, uh, not with patient complaints. So the normal process for physicians, let's say you're, uh, you're working impaired, you, you come to work intoxicated, you know, trying to do surgery impaired, uh, or you're sexually molesting your patients while under anesthesia. Those were the classic things that medical boards would come after doctors and take their licenses. Obviously, that's, you know, you're, you're a danger to society. What ended right. up happening in my case, after I published a really important article, basically the largest vaxxed, unvaxxed study ever published using real world data, every patient born into my practice over a 10 year period of time, it was published in the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health in 2020, November 2020 to be specific. Five days after that publication was available online, the Oregon Medical Board had an emergency meeting and suspended my license without warning, saying I was a threat, a danger to public health. So I didn't work for six months. I was able to get it reinstated by accepting a uh, stipulated agreement, if you will, that I didn't want to accept, but I really needed to save my practice. So I cannot see well children. I cannot talk about vaccines with my patients. and. Uh, I cannot do research. Isn't that strange? Wow. A medical board trying to prevent the dissemination of good information, trying to stop medical research. It, it, the insanity of that just, yeah, boggles the mind, to be honest. But at least I'm back in the trenches helping my patients. And as you probably know, I travel the country speaking about generally the vaxxed, unvaxxed data. That's sort of... Uh, the most important thing I can bring to the table because I, not only did I do one of the biggest studies, but if we don't compare vaccinated individuals to completely unvaccinated individuals, we really have no idea what's going on. Right. So with the uh, study, first off, for those listening that want to look at it, what's the best way to access that? So uh, you can access that at my website, uh, Doctors in Science com or paulthomasmd.com. Okay. Uh, that, that study is there and actually all the graphs are, are available. 
I mean, you could also search it. Uh, it's the relative incidence of office visits and cumulative rates of bill diagnoses along the axis of vaccination. That's a mouthful. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, we'll slow that down, and we'll put all of that information in the show notes so people can can link straight to it. So, uh, sounds good, and I, and I can forward you a a, a direct link to the to the study. As yeah, well. please do. We'll add that. Uh, that'd be yeah. great. So then, it's an interesting thing, of course, because the world turned upside down during the uh, pandemic, as you know, and anybody yeah. in medicine, uh, especially, was uh, affected in in some way, I guess, by by, uh, what was going on with the pandemic because it seemed like everything else that had anything to do with uh, illness was kind of put to the side and and our focus was entirely on what was going on with COVID. Yeah. Now, of course, when this thing first started blowing up, uh, as I was doing Vitality Radio, I was asking a lot of what I thought were pretty pertinent questions about what was going on and whether or not it was wise to uh, follow many of the CDC and, and World Health Organization guidelines of social distancing and masking and, and lockdowns and all that kind of stuff. Little did I know at the time that there was going to be this massive speedy push towards vaccination uh, for COVID-19. But as soon as I started hearing the whispers of that and seeing what was being said, you know, my red flags went like up like crazy. But many people, as you know, looked at it as this, uh, you know, great blessing that we now had something to fight this COVID-19, which had been made out to be, you know, the worst thing that had ever hit American society or, or the world at large. Um, what were your thoughts going into the COVID vaccine research and what was being said at that time based on your history with other uh, vaccine research? Yeah. Well, you know, I share with you that we all, every, every listener went through that experience of the sky is falling. We're all going to die. Right. Fear, 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 fear. And then just like you, when I started realizing, oh, they're just planting, paving the road for a vaccine as the solution, right? Mm -hmm. and, and it seems like pharma has always, vaccines is the sacred area where you can't have real scientific dialogue. It's, it's, it's off limits. You just have to accept that they're safe and effective. Well, I'm coming off the heels of not just my own research, but uh, there were other studies, the Mawson data, there's the control group data now. You can Your listeners can go to the controlgroup.org. I mean, when you actually compare unvaccinated to vaccinated and you look at all health outcomes, not just did you have COVID or not, right? But if you look at all health outcomes, the unvaxxed are so incredibly healthier, it, nobody would take another vaccine if they understood the data. It, it is Sorry, are you referencing the, the unvaxxed from the COVID vaccine specifically? No, I'm talking about pre-COVID. Okay, pre-COVID. Yeah. Right. Just so wanted to clarify that. Controlgroup.org was looking at all vaccines, comparing the, the standard health of Americans to the standard health of the unvaccinated Americans. Gotcha. So going into the pandemic, I was already aware that uh, we have to be really careful how we look at the data that comes at us. So, so now I'll pivot to the COVID story and that vaccine. And when they first came out with that data from Pfizer and Moderna, and they're touting 97% effective, 95% effective. And when you really looked at what they were talking about, 
It was relative risk reduction, not absolute risk reduction. Right. This is a game pharma has played since the beginning of time. Whether you look at cholesterol-lowering, high blood pressure meds, it really doesn't matter. They play this game of relative risk reduction because it amplifies the apparent value of their product when, in fact, that Pfizer product, that Moderna product had an absolute risk reduction of less than 1%. So... 97% effective is what you hear on the news, but would you rush out and get a vaccine if they told you the absolute risk reduction was less than 1%? In other words, there's a 99% chance this vaccine, if you want to even call it that, there's a 99% chance it will fail to do what they're saying it will do, which by the way, you recall, initially all it was doing was reducing symptoms. They weren't looking at hospitalizations or deaths. So the whole thing was like, oh my gosh, this is just smoke and mirrors. Now, I'm not saying that COVID has not taken people's lives. It has. You know, most of us know someone who's been harmed. Yeah. Unfortunately, the harm is often attributed to the illness when in fact it may have been the vaccine that caused the issue. Right. Here's the, here's the other trick. I think you, you know this, but uh, first of all, they, they used PCR testing that was meaningless. So we had a case-demic, in other words, a, a pandemic of positive cases that in most cases, those positives didn't represent a COVID illness. They just represented a false positive test. Right. <clears throat> so there was that dilemma. But then the other very tricky thing that was done that just confuses everyone if they're not paying attention is that to be classified as vaccinated, you had to be two weeks after your last booster. So when they first rolled out with it, you had to get one shot and then a month or so later, you had to get a second shot and then you had to wait a couple of weeks before you were considered vaccinated. Well, most of the deaths and hospitalizations and vaccine injuries happen in the first few days. So all those vaccine injuries all those deaths, all those hospitalizations would be categorized as unvaxxed. Right. Even, even though the vaccine caused the problem. And so it's just a total sham as far as any kind of logical scientific discussion about what's going on because of the way they defined how they collect their data. And then they just plain stopped collecting data when it got very uncomfortable. So they haven't <laughs> been collecting data on hospitalizations for the vaccinated for quite, I think it's almost a year. Wow. Well, and of course we have the VAERS numbers, uh, the vaccine adverse event reporting system. I think most yeah. people prior to COVID didn't even know that existed. Uh, yeah. I think most people probably still don't know it exists, but it's uh, certainly gotten a lot more publicity over the last year or so. Uh, yeah. And yet we're told that the VAERS numbers are, you know, not reliable numbers, anybody can report, all that kind of stuff. What, what's your take on that? Well, first of all, for folks who aren't familiar with VAERS, just go to openvares.org because that's a place where that data is easily summarized for you. Uh, anybody can go to the VAERS actual website and plug in whatever parameters they want to and play in there. Uh, but here, you know, that's doublespeak, the question you were asking, because uh, the CDC themselves uh, all mainstream institutions will use VAERS data to look at, you know, side effects of, of certainly vaccines, right? 
But then when we point out that we've got a problem with the vaccine using VAERS data, they say, well, it's not reliable. It's actually, if it's not reliable, it's in the following way. We know it is significantly underreported. Probably less than 1% of adverse events are reported. That was the Harvard study that showed that to actually mm -hmm. be the case. But I can speak from a busy pediatrician, clinician. I have a colleague who, uh, who used to work in my clinic. We were having a discussion about a year or two ago, and he didn't know about VAERS. He's been a pediatrician for over a decade. Wow. And he had never heard of VAERS, hadn't even heard of it. So how can he possibly report if he's never even heard of it? But here's the other problem. I knew about it. I want to report adverse events, but in a busy practice, you try to report an event that's not previously associated with a vaccine. First of all, they won't accept it anyway. And you're going to spend an hour, sometimes longer. They say, oh no, it's very easy. It is not. It is very cumbersome to get a report through, sometimes almost impossible. So we rarely report. People don't make the connection between asthma and vaccines or allergic rhinitis or breathing problems or behavioral problems or ADD or ADHD, respiratory problems, ear infections, sinus infections, eye infections, any kind of infection. People don't connect that to having been previously vaccinated. So how do you report it when you don't even realize it's, a, it's possibly connected? Right. And of course, we know anyone who's looked at, at open bears recognizes that this these particular vaccines uh, have been reported at a rate that is unprecedented uh, compared to every other vaccine combined. Uh, the numbers are just yeah. absolutely staggering. Yeah, Jared, it is so obscenely obvious that we have a massive problem. These, these vaccines, if you'll even call it a vaccine, should have been pulled within months. Actually, they never should have been put on the market. We, they actually knew. I think we're just starting to realize how much they knew uh, with the release of documents. I'm not intimately involved with that process, but I know the Children's Health Defense, or is it a high wire? I think they're going after these documents that mm -hmm. Pfizer wanted 60 years to, to release. Right. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. What are they trying to hide? Now we've got a big, big problem with this product. Messenger RNA technology uh, was rushed way before it was ready for prime time. They, they yeah. just bypassed animal studies and we have no long-term studies. So you, the listeners, if you've had this vaccine, you are part of the study. We're going to see what happens to people over the next decade. If you haven't had the COVID jabs, um, you're part of that, that control group. So the way I see it with vaccines, there's two important control groups. There's people who've never had a single vaccine in their life. That's the pure control group. But there's mm -hmm. another whole subset, and that is people who've never taken a COVID vaccine because right. this vaccine, and I, I keep trying to say, I don't think we should call it a vaccine. And that's because it does not prevent transmission and um, it's not preventing you who's receiving it from getting ill. In fact, the data is showing now that those who've been vaccinated, their immune system seems to be have been harmed. And so this shot is actually in the long run, making you more vulnerable to any other infection because your immune system has been sort of pushed into allergy and autoimmunity. Yeah. And interestingly enough, I want to make sure that this is clear too, that the mRNA vaccines, of course, are Pfizer and Moderna. And then we have two additional vaccines, one here in America, the J&J &J, and then AstraZeneca. There's a couple more coming down the pike from what I understand, but uh, those are the main ones. I've interviewed people that have been uh, jabbed with all four 
of those uh, versions and have been injured. So even though we don't have mRNA, that not all of them are mRNA, it does right. appear that the rush to market with J&J &J and AstraZeneca, well, I mean, AstraZeneca was, was I guess, proven unsafe enough that it wasn't approved here in America and who knows of what was political or financial with that, but it did never get here. Uh, J&J &J did. J&J &J was removed from the market for a short time while they I don't know, looked at it, didn't do anything and then put it back on the market. I mean, the, yeah. the, the shenanigans that have happened with these things are just unreal. But what's your take just really quickly? And then I want to ask you a couple of, of I, what I think are very important questions, especially from a medical perspective. What's your take on the other vaccines that aren't mRNA and why those are also problematic, even though it's not, you know, brand new technology? Yeah, well, there's still... Uh, the, the DNA-based ones, the J&J &J and the AstraZeneca, they're still getting spike protein manufacturing to happen in our cells. They just go about it a different way. Okay. Uh, I've, I've seen graphs, and I don't, I don't have them up in front of me to, to explain it in good detail, but basically the DNA-based vaccine, it does get transcribed into messenger RNA and then gets inserted into your cells so that you can make your own spike protein, just like the messenger RNA vaccine. So in the end, they're, they're creating the same issue. We are turning our bodies into factories of the toxin. So spike protein is the really dangerous aspect. And instead of having a vaccine, if you will, that introduces the body to a virus or a spike protein and you just boom, you neutralize it on the spot, it doesn't get into your body we're turning our bodies into actual factories of the problem. The insanity of that whole concept just, it boggles the mind. Why would you ever want to do that? It really isn't like anything else we've ever seen in vaccination, right? In fact, they had to change the no. definition of what a vaccine is on the CDC's website yeah. uh, to yeah, even call exactly. these vaccines. So yeah, it's yeah. if you want to talk about experimental medicine, it's as experimental maybe as medicine gets. This is, this is gene therapy, except therapy is too kind because there's no, nothing therapeutic happening. Uh, it's gene manipulation is what it is. And so you are actually modifying human beings. Uh, the purpose of, of which is, you know, <laughs> we don't know yet the, the, what, what was the intent behind all of this? It's pretty bizarre. I mean, I, I don't even like to go down that rabbit hole, but, but you have to have your eyes open and your ears open and, and start wondering what the heck is their actual intent, because it certainly wasn't to help us avoid COVID, which by the way, folks, I've been a busy pediatrician for over 30 years. Every winter, kids get sick, adults get sick, but especially kids because they're in school, you know, they're just sharing all their germs. And there's a small percentage of kids who are sick enough, you, you might have to put them in the hospital, right? They're, they're getting close to needing oxygen. And we would run a respiratory panel pre-COVID uh, and there would be 30 different possibilities of things that can put you in the hospital with those same symptoms. What, what people used to call the flu, you know, cough, fever, congestion, mm -hmm. needing a little extra oxygen help. I mean, it could be influenza A or B, but less than five or 10% of the time it was, it was often other things. Sometimes it's a bacterial infection. Sometimes it was a coronavirus. We have four or five other coronaviruses that cause the common cold. So this is, it's so bizarre to abandon all our thinking. And now that we have COVID-19, you're COVID-19 unless proven otherwise. Right. 
Yeah. There's so many things that don't add up, uh, no doubt, if if you're really paying attention and, and watching what's going on. Uh, so what are your thoughts about people that there are people who are choosing to continue down this route with COVID-19, getting their boosters that are being recommended? Uh, do you believe that this is the type of thing that will, um, that, that people that are getting boosters that didn't notice injury from the first jabs may have injury uh, as the boosters come around? Yeah, I, th- I think um, because of the nature of what this jab has in it, the ability to turn your body into a spike protein manufacturing facility. Uh, if you were lucky enough that your body and your immune system handled it okay, uh, first of all, you don't know yet what the long-term outcomes will be. If you're young, right. especially, I am just horrified that this is being allowed in anyone of reproductive age because the studies have been published uh, the spike proteins are concentrating in the gonads, so your testicles and your ovaries, and infertility is almost guaranteed. So what are we doing here? Uh, you, if you want to have kids someday, or think about your children, why would you make that decision for them? Well, kid, just because they're saying you're gonna, you need to take this jab so you can protect grandma, right? That's that's because kids right. don't need it. Kid, I I have not had a single child. I have a busy ten thousand plus patient practice. Through the entire pandemic, not one kid ended up in the hospital from COVID. I did have a kid hospitalized for myocarditis after getting the jab. So that was the mm. first myocarditis case I'd seen in my career. Uh, wow. It's, yeah, it, it, kids should not be getting this, period. It, it is child abuse. Yeah. Unfortunately, I have to agree with you there. The evidence is, is pretty obvious in, in that uh in that regard. Okay, so let me ask you this then. Uh, have you found in your studies, in your practice, uh, any potential answers for those who have uh, neurological damage or uh, cardiovascular damage, immune, autoimmune issues uh, post-COVID vaccine? Whew, that's the big million dollar <laughs> question. Go right there to the heart of the matter. Um, so... Unfortunately, if your body is making spike protein, we don't yet know how to turn that off. So we have to, um, once you're triggered into autoimmunity, people who are taking care of chronic patients know this is the hardest uh, condition to try to treat. Uh, what traditional medicine MDs will give you is an immunosuppressant. Right. So, uh, you know, that is the number one moneymaker, by the way, for pharma, at least prior to COVID vaccine, it was. Uh, immunosuppressants are a big, big market. I mean, huge. Uh, 10, 20 billion per product. And there's tons of them out there. $100,000 a year to, to be on some of these mm-hmm. designer new immunosuppressants. So that's what the mainstream medicine people will offer you because they really don't have any way of handling it other than just Let's try to shut down the inflammation that's been triggered by this vaccine or triggered by this shot or triggered by a combination of whatever things are going on in your body. Once you're immunosuppressed, though, guess what? What do we need our immune system for? Surveillance for cancer, for infections. So you are very vulnerable for increased cancer, and we're seeing reports of this coming out all over the place. Not even, even people who are not on immunosuppressants, the jab seems to be suppressing the immune system. So it's a double whammy. I think to get back to answering your question, though, we have to do everything we can to 
detox. And we can talk a little bit about that. That's it's sometimes harder than it sounds. Uh, but also supporting your immune system and your your body's biochemistry, right? So that you function optimally. Um, number one simple thing that everybody should be doing every day, and that's adequate vitamin D. I like vitamin D with K2 because vitamin D also enhances absorption of calcium and too much calcium circulating in the body as opposed to stored in the bones can be a problem. Right. So you take your vitamin D3 with K2, that stores the excess in the bones where it belongs, and it is a massive uh, protectant. I mean, it's probably, in my opinion, better than any jab. Just have adequate vitamin D3. I, I've been preaching this so long in my practice, maybe that's why nobody's getting sick. I don't know. Part of it's because I'm a pediatrician and kids just do well with COVID. Right. Uh, but part of it, I think, is the D3. I, I take 10,000 IUs a day. Any adult can safely take 5,000 IUs a day. Uh, your MD will tell you take uh, no more than 1,000. Well, 1,000 for an adult is not even going to make a dent in getting your levels where they need to be in an optimal range. What but do you are, con uh, consider the optimal range with D? Because obviously the normal range is pretty wide, right? From yeah, 30 to 80 yeah. or 30 to 100, depending on what blood test exactly. you're You want to be 50 to 80. Okay. Uh, that's uh, lots and lots of studies showing cancer prevention at those levels. All sorts of cancers are reduced once you get up closer to 60, 70, 80. Uh, and for immune benefits, you want to be up there in the 50 plus range. I wouldn't go over 100 just because it's you don't get any added benefit and then you're tipping into possible toxicity. Although I've never, ever seen a toxic person from vitamin D. And I had a story. Um, I sell a vitamin D in my office that one drop is a thousand IUs. Mm -hmm. And I had a family misunderstand and they did a full dropper full, which would be like 15 drops mm -hmm. to a, a baby. This was an infant. Oh, wow. And they, and they did it for four months before they caught what they were doing. So this kid was getting 15 times the maximal dose, basically. We checked that kid's level. It was a little over 100, no symptoms. Uh, I mean, amazing the, the safety range, I guess, is what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, obviously. I always tell people you have to try pretty hard to get toxic on vitamin D, although yeah. it is possible. It is possible. Yeah. And if you're taking mega doses, check your levels once in a while. Okay. All right. And and do you have a recommendation for how much K2 should be taken with that vitamin D? I hear different things on that. I'm curious what your opinion is. Yeah. The preparations that are out there, they never have enough to worry about. So it'll be fine. I, I don't have an actual value for you though. Okay. All right. But I know when I've compared it, it's a massive safety uh, range. Yeah, on K2 as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, some of the research that I've seen shows that uh, about 300 for adults is, is a good number for K2 uh, for a kind of optimal benefit. And most of the preparations, as you say out there, are somewhere between 45 and 100. So uh, they're not nearly as high as that anyway. Uh, yeah. You mentioned detoxing and, and uh, some information maybe you can share on that. What would you recommend? Well, um, N-acetylcysteine is really, really an important detox molecule, and, and you should take adequate vitamin C as well. There's, there's a, you, you hear, you've heard of reactive oxygen species. I think when the body is, is, is inflamed, when you're under stress, you have these uh, species that are oxygenated that need to be, I'm, I'm messing up my terminology with oxygenation and deox and um, all that stuff. Basically, the 
Vitamin C and N-acetylcysteine NAC work hand in hand to exchange and keep each other going so you can continually detox. So you need to replenish and keep taking enough vitamin C and enough N-acetylcysteine. N-acetylcysteine gets converted to glutathione, which is our major detox molecule. So super, super important. Um, specifically for if someone is possibly sick with uh, COVID, then you want to think about quercetin and zinc because those help reduce its binding to the ACE receptors. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to get as sick. You're not going to let it, as much of that virus into your body. And melatonin actually is a great antioxidant that also seems to help block entry of COVID. So those are some things one, one can do as well. Okay. There are, there are other detox methodologies, you know, um, active, activated charcoal, uh, other things you can do, um, to try to detox, but I think some of those basic supplements just to support your pathways is the way to go. And healing the gut, let me tell you, when you've got autoimmunity, if your gut is inflamed, uh, everything's in, you're in trouble. Yeah, I think uh, gut dysbiosis seems to be a major, major factor with people who are, you know, consider themselves injured from the vaccines, uh, yeah. for sure. And I believe that the gut dysbiosis going into COVID for a lot of people is probably a, a huge factor in how severely COVID impacts them uh, right. and the potential for long haulers and things like that. Yeah. So yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on that. Um, so what else would you, would you add, if anything, as far as the people that are listening to this podcast are people that are either, uh, that are injured themselves from these vaccines, have family or friends uh, that are injured, or people that just feel like their message needs to be heard. As you mentioned very early on in this conversation, censorship has been, you know, unprecedented uh, since COVID and so much uh, so-called fact checking going on and uh, people being, you know, put in various versions of social media jail and booted off of YouTube and so on and so forth. Uh, so getting these stories out there has actually been a real challenge. Interestingly yeah. enough, podcasting so far seems to be a relatively uncensored uh, format. We're hoping that moves forward uh, as such, which is why we're doing this with the Dearly Discarded podcast. But uh, what else would you like to share with the, those people that are listening in terms of maybe what they can do uh, to help get this message out, what they can do to research and, and understand what's going on better and, uh, and any other protections that they can use for themselves? That's a big question. Um, I know it's a lot of questions all in one. Sorry about that. <laughs> that's yeah, it's all wrapped in one. Let, let me, let me say this, uh, too, for too long, we lived in fear and I imagine if you're injured, your mm -hmm. fear level is probably even heightened. And what I want to tell you is the body has amazing capacity for healing. We just have to give it the space to do that. And, and this fear thing has to be handled. Uh, if I'm living in fear, my immune system right there is shut down. And, and, and studies have shown this to be true. And, and your common sense meter will probably tell you that that's true. If the, the antidote to fear is, is love. And, and, and humor and joy. And so surround yourself with people who love you, people that you love, people that yeah. uh, you can have a community with because when you feel isolated and alone, that's not a good place to be. 
And I think that was part of the strategy of, you know, quarantining people and six feet isolation and masking, dehumanizing people so that they felt hopeless and alone. And gosh, what they've done with people in hospitals, I mean, they, they yank you away from your loved ones, keep your loved ones away, and then put you on toxic treatment protocols that ultimately end up killing so many people. When all they needed to do was get hands on some uh, hydrochloroquine or some uh, uh, ivermectin, which, by the way, if you're injured, a lot of the docs who are taking care of acutely ill COVID patients are finding that ivermectin is helpful even for the injured. So if you've been vaccine injured and you haven't tried a, a good round of ivermectin, you ought to hook up with people who are doing this sort of treatment. I've got a few websites I can offer for people uh, to try. Um, so the truthforhealth.org has a doc, find my find doctor resource and a lot of resources there. FLCCC, that's that COVID19criticalcare.com organization. Uh, mm -hmm. They were really leading the charge there early on on how to treat this at home before you need to end up at the hospital. AmericaFrontlineDoctors.org. Um, I know two physicians personally who are still in the trenches out there helping people online. Uh, one is Dr. Hader. I interviewed him for my show. His website is my go to doc. Okay. So that's an easy one to remember. My go to doc.com. Uh, I went to, I went on his website, ordered myself a, a safety kit in case I got sick. I haven't had to use it, but it, it, I feel like I had a daughter recently get fairly ill and right. I was able to say, well, here, take this. Cause I was ready. So even if you yourself don't feel in danger, you have a loved one who might need you. So get get ready. And then Meehan, M-E-E-H-A-N-M-D.com. Uh, he's a personal friend. We speak together often when we're traveling around. Uh, the guy's a ex-military. He's a fighter and he's he's in this fight for all of us. A good guy. He makes treatments available as well. So those yeah, are just a few. And, and I that I think many, many more. You, by the way, you did an excellent job answering a really convoluted question. I, I appreciate that. Uh, but <laughs> but you're right. That information is is really valuable. In particular, the the fear thing. There is so much power in healing when we are not in fear that the two sides of the of the central nervous system the the uh, parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system when we're feeling fear anxiety depression things like that we're over in the sympathetic state which is a state of heightened alertness uh, designed to be utilized when we're in imminent danger. But when we stay there on a regular basis and we can't get over to the yeah. rest and digest side, the parasympathetic side, then our body doesn't have the energy that it needs in the places that it needs to, to heal, to detoxify, to digest uh, nutrition and utilize nutrients for our body. So I love that you mentioned that there's real, real power in that. And then also you're absolutely right about the resources. The biggest challenge I think that Almost everybody in the injured community seems to be experiencing, because I've spoken now, this podcast is relatively new. Uh, we've only got six or seven episodes up, but I've spoken to over 20 people uh, that are that have been injured by these vaccines and their story is alarmingly similar in terms of the type of care they've been able to receive mm -hmm. when they just go to their doctor or the hospital to try to find uh, access to treatment that will really help them. Yeah. Most of them are finding they're having to reach out to integrative doctors, uh, naturopathic doctors that will actually look at things for, through a different scope than what 
you know, general medical doctors seem to either be aware of or willing to do because the pressure on them has been so immense through this to just toe the line yeah. and, uh, you know, kind of do as they're told. So yeah. the fact that we, we do know that there are, there is help out there. It's a little difficult to find, but Dr. Thomas has just uh, given us a bunch of, of great uh, resources, all of which will be in the show description. So you can look at all of those things uh, once you're done listening. Uh, thank you for sharing all that information. Anything else before I wrap up and let you go? Uh, just this. Um, we don't need to play victim anymore, right? We say we're going to stand now and stop the carnage for ourselves first, right? If I've gotten mm -hmm. a COVID jab and now I regret it, it's okay. Forgive yourself. You did what you thought was best at that time. I mean, both my parents got these Absolutely. jabs and I was talking to them, but they were listening to the news. And my mom even said, well, Paul, how can you be right? And everybody else is wrong. And I'm going, mom, <laughs> this is my world. I live in this world. I, I, I read these articles every day. Anyhow, at some point we get it when we get it. And once we do, we can say no more right? And then those yes. of you who are injured, if you can share your stories, I would love to have some of you on my show, Against the Wind, Doctors and Science Under Fire. Uh, just There's a contact info there at doctorsandscience.com. Uh, let's, let's get some of these stories out. We, we have to protect the kids, right? They are the, the, the youngest of kids are now in the crosshairs of big pharma and our public health officials, which the, the, the criminality of that, when, when we know we have a failed vaccine, we know we have a vaccine that's probably affecting fertility. We have a vaccine, sorry, vaccine's not the right word. We have a jab, we have a shot that's injuring people at, at astounding rates. Kids have zero need for it, and yet they're now going after our six-month-old to five-year-olds because if they can get it approved for them, then they are liability-free forever. Right now, the companies that make these shots are liability-free because of the emergency youth authorization and the PREP Act had a clause added in the umpteenth hour of the night to their massive document that gave them a free ride as long as it was emergency use authorized. Well, that authorization should have been removed a long time ago. We know it's not safe. I went off there. Sorry. Uh, back to closing. No, it's okay. Back to Important closing information. Remarks. Take care of you. You will be okay. It's a long haul to get your immune system back on track if it's been tipped, but don't give up. Be, stay in faith, not fear. Surround yourself with love, be loving yourself. And when you are stressed, breathing is probably the best short-term solution. Close your eyes, take yourself to a beautiful place. Breathe in love through your nose and exhale fear or stress or whatever it is that's getting you. Do that a few times really slowly so you don't hyperventilate and feel the power of love that's in our world everywhere. And then, you know, turn off the news because it's just propaganda. Uh, listen to shows like this. Come visit me at doctorsandscience.com, uh, Children's Health Defense, Dell Big Trees High Wire. There's so many great shows out there that are bringing you the actual truth. And uh, it's time to turn off the the, the noise that, that is just propaganda. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. And all of those places are excellent resources. Your show, uh, you get some fantastic guests with a lot of really valuable information. Uh, we'll link to that in the show description as well. And uh, yes, if you are looking for more information from sources that uh, you can trust that aren't just uh, 
spewing the same propaganda that's coming from our government and from uh, mass media. Uh, that's a great location. Uh, CHD, Children's Health Defense, uh, is .org, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, .org. Yep. You spell out the whole world, childrenshealthdefense.org. Yep. And then, uh, and of course, we'll yep. link there. The High Wire with Dell Big Tree is fantastic. A lot of good resources. We'll put all that stuff in the show notes so that people uh, know where to find it. Dr. Thomas, uh, I tell you, you are, you're doing the right thing. I can tell that even with the uh, duress that you've been under, uh, you've still got that big smile on your face because you know that you're standing <laughs> in truth. And I appreciate what you're doing very, very much. Thanks, Jared. It was my pleasure. been listening to the vitality radio podcast enjoy your week in the meantime jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it vitality radio is researched and written by jared st Clair. our awesome music is by brian bob young support vitality radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on apple podcasts youtube or your favorite podcast source Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. For years at Vitality Nutrition, we've struggled with the question, what can I do to help my aching joints? About 20 years ago, glucosamine and chondroitin appeared on the market, and for the first time, we had something natural that actually made a real difference for a lot of our customers. But over the years, glucosamine products seemed to still only work for a certain percentage of the people who tried them, and then only seemed to help so much. Then came hyaluronic acid. A healthy joint regularly secretes a substance called hyaluronic acid. This compound is slippery and provides lubrication and cushion to the joint. As we age, we produce less of this vital substance. The problem is that supplements containing this promising ingredient don't absorb well and mostly get wiped out in the stomach. Well, about eight years ago, Jared discovered a company who had figured out how to solve this problem. The product they developed is called Baxel, and it is amazing. Baxel is a liquid that's almost flavorless, and according to the clinical trials, when taken twice daily, provides significant relief to 84% of people who use it. At Vitality, we love Baxel because it works. It's as simple as that. Plus, it's 100% guaranteed. If your joints creak and pop, if you experience discomfort, pain, or stiffness, then you owe it to yourself to try Baxel today. Baxel is available at Vitality Nutrition and online at vitalitynutrition.com. Come visit us at 107 South 500 West in Bountiful, Utah. Check us out online or call us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. The FDA has not evaluated this podcast. This podcast is provided with the understanding that information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for care by a medical professional. Thank you.